All right, well, welcome back to the Freedway Thinker. Some of my reflections from my commute as I drive. On this episode, I want to talk a little bit about some of my experiences when people proof text or give quotations in their blogs and papers and social media posts and things like that. This is very, very common when I come across you know, online McAtheists, Jesus mythicists, SBC provisionists, open theists. Uh, I'm sure it happens from Reformed Calvinists. I mean, I, 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 it's so easy to to make this type of mistake that I'm that I'm very very sure that everybody does it. That there there are people in every camp that does it. I'm just I obviously notice it from people that I'm engaging with, and so those those are some of the views that I am going against. So what's what's the problem? How often have you ever read a post? or an online article or been in a conversation with someone and they quote an author that you're relatively familiar with and they say, oh, this person says this and they give a quote. And you have to admit that when you read the quote just by itself, it kind of looks like that might be what they're saying. But if you know, if you're familiar with that person's work and you're familiar with the, you know, the book or the work that it's coming from or the paper or whatever it is, you're familiar with their views, you know that that's not what they're saying. You know that that's not what they mean. And so you go look up the quote and you find that in context, that's not what they mean. There's there's other indicators that are being missed by the quote. That's the phenomena that I want to talk about today. So just because you can quote someone doesn't mean that you've quoted that person accurately. And I, I just, I find a ton of confusion about this because there's a really subtle way that you can quote someone intentionally or not, usually I think it's intentional. I think it's someone is just trying to find a quote that supports the argument that they're trying to make and they do this unintentionally, but they it gives a misleading impression of what the what the original author is intending to say or what concepts they're actually presenting. It goes along with criticisms that that <clears throat> from from the people who then jump in and they say, "Oh, well, well, technically that is what the person said." Okay technically it's it is what that person said but substantively it's it's misleading it's incorrect right technicalities are sometimes the best kind of realities uh, but in this case it, it can actually be misleading and this is a this is effectively the problem inherent in proof text and we see it all the time with McAtheists when they quote the Bible and they say well the Bible says this okay if you just zoom out and look at a couple passages before or around it or other passages that speak on the same thing that's clearly not uh, what the intent of the author is. So, you know, a lot of times it'll it'll they'll, they'll present the passage in Judges where uh, the concubine is is basically gang raped and, and killed and then cut up into pieces. Oh, the, the the you know the Bible the Bible is a, such an immoral book. It, it you know it has this story in it. And you just back up and be like, okay, but you know it's 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 found in this story where it's massively condemning every single person. It's condemning the, the priest who owned the concubine. It's condemning the, the men uh, of Benjamin. It's condemning, it's, con- it's condemning everybody. It's basically, it, the whole point of it is showing that these people have, the, these Israelites who are supposed to be God's people, the priests who are supposed to be pure, have become so immoral and so wicked and so evil that they become worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Not that they become as bad as, they become drastically worse. And then their reaction to how bad it is it becomes even worse. The whole point is this downward spiral down the toilet bowl of how bad they are. If you just zoom out and read the concept, you'll realize that the description is not a prescription. 
right? That type of thing happens all the time when, when we're dealing with atheists in the Bible, but it happens in a more nuanced way within uh, more complex issues. So a lot of times, you know, uh, people at Soteriology 101 of the provisionists will be like, oh, well, you know, R.C. Sproul says this, or John Piper says this, or John Calvin says this. And when you actually, if you're familiar with their views, you're like, well, no, that's that's that can't be what that quote means. Even though it might look like it, I'm familiar enough with their work that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive they wouldn't say that. And so when you actually go and look at the original context, you end up being right. That's not what they were trying to say. Uh, there's some shade, there's nuance, or there's there's relevant concepts that are missing. They're talking about something within a certain framework. And so it's the, the, the presentation of the quote just by itself is misleading. Okay, so a couple, a couple thoughts. First, quotes come with contextual baggage, which is what I'm trying to get at. The terms and the concepts that someone use in a quote or in a statement that is being quoted could be heavily freighted by the argument or the train of thought from within which the original quote is being drawn out of. And removing that quote from the context, which you necessarily have to do when you're quoting something. You can't quote an entire chapter or something. You just can't do that. And so all quotation, remove it from the context, it runs the risk of distortion of the intent of the original author. So the person quoting really needs to be careful that not just are they finding a statement that they think can be useful in their argument, but that they're understanding what the author meant in that statement before they cite it for the purpose and say, oh, well, this person says this. Because technically, yes, they said that. But what they said and what they mean might be shades different. And I, you know, I, look, I'm not a postmodernist. I'm not saying words don't have meaning or anything like that. But, but we've all been in this situation where the, the shading of a word, the inflection that it takes, the nuance, the types of question that it's trying to answer can shade the meaning of, of what's being said. Secondly, a person may be talking about a specific aspect of a concept within the framework of the specific question. This means that if if we're going to examine a concept in the light of a different question that we may be talking about in a social media discussion, we need to understand the original context of what the quote was, of what was being said. Sometimes we find a quote from someone about a, a similar concept that we're talking to but they're talking about it in the concept of question one in the original quote, but we're discussing it in the context of question five, right? It might be related, but they're answering different aspects, and you can't take it in a, in a one-to-one direction. Third, without the context, it's very, very easy to omit the relevance or kind of a controlling factor of other concepts that the people already had established or will move on to establish afterwards from where the quote is drawn from. This happens a lot in in questions and, and conversations about Calvinism and Reformed theology where someone will, will uh, be taking a question about limited atonement uh, and they'll completely ignore, they'll, they'll, they'll treat limited atonement atomistically, like it's its own doctrine, and they'll no, ignore... Uh, the role that unconditional election or total depravity plays in shading that concept. And so it means that it's possible to misrepresent a person or a concept via quote mining them by omitting, again, either intentionally or not, other controlling concepts that put that put boundaries or, or shades of meaning on what's being said. Okay, next. 
Quote mining or proof texting may also ignore the kind of argument or statement that the original author is making. Sometimes a, a simple quote may appear like a piece of straightforward prose or statements where the original context, uh, it was serving as a kind of hypothetical or maybe a question or a contrary to fact or a summary of someone else's view even simply an imaginative possible implication or application of what was being said, and a whole host of other kinds of, of, of literary or, or rhetorical devices. So what could be happening is someone could have been saying, okay, for instance, it's possible that this might be true. You quote mine it, and then it looks like the person is actually defending that that is their belief, right? That That's a problem. They, they could be representing and summarizing someone else's view completely or giving implications of someone else's view, and now you're quote mining it as their view. And there, there's all kinds of things that can happen when you're dealing with this. So for example, uh, I often defend planning as free will defense against the problem of evil, right? Because I think the free will defense shows that there's no logical contradiction between an omnipotent being, uh, an omnimax being, and the existence of, uh, of evil. Right, and I and I think the the possibility of any type of free will is a valid argument to show that there is no contradiction. But I don't actually affirm limited free will, and I don't think free will is the reason why God created the world the way that He did. I, I don't I don't think free will is of such a value that it overrides uh, the 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 evil of evil. Right, so I, I wouldn't actually affirm that as true. I merely need to show that it's logically possible in order to show that there's no contradiction uh, that exists. Someone might come along and quote me during that defense and say, oh, but, you know, well, Tyler defends free will this way. Okay, but that's not what I'm actually doing in the argument. And I'm not actually saying what I affirm or defend. I'm simply showing a hypothetical scenario that disproves a claim of a contradiction. So, there, there, are, there are problems with these types of quotations. Now, while we shouldn't avoid quoting people, because, I mean, we, we have to quote people. When we're talking about what other people are saying, it's really helpful to, to quote what they're actually saying. We just need to be aware and be careful of how we quote people and how we use the quote and how we attribute it to people, especially when we need to be aware of our biases when we're dealing with authors that we're only quoting precisely because we disagree with them. When we're dealing with authors, not only that we disagree with, but we're citing them because we disagree with them and because they make a point that we wanna make, our motivated reasoning and our bias, our, 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 uh, our, 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 uh, our, our bias towards our own view, our confirmation bias, that's what I was going for is more likely going to be kicking in full gear. And so we need to be aware of it to overcome it. It's in those instances of disagreement when we're most likely to let our bias lead us to misunderstand the context and to give a kind of slanted or misleading or even misrepresentative presentation of the view of the person being quoted. Now, we should also be aware that just because a text has a lot of quotation of others, specifically... Uh, of, of other of, of the views of the people they're trying to engage with or disagree with. This happens all the time. Again, I'm going to pick on Soteriology 101. This happens all the time, 
right? They love to quote R.C. Sproul and John Calvin and John Piper, and they'll, they'll give all these quotes. And so it gives this, this kind of shotgun appearance that they're really, really robustly engaging accurately with the opposing view. When anyone who holds the opposing view and knows anything about the views of the people are are basically be like, well, look, in order to respond to this, I now need to go and do a contextual analysis of three dozen quotes because I know that they're all, they're, they're all taken out of context. Uh, I'm familiar with these people's work. I'm familiar with their views. I'm familiar with, and some of them, I'm familiar with the context of the quote. I know they're being misused. So just because you come across a, an article or, or, or a paper or a talk or something where it has a lots of quotations, it doesn't mean that the person is accurately interacting with the opposing view. It, like I said, in my experience, the people who heavily rely on quotes as their main rhetorical feature against a view are often the ones who have the most bias altering as an effect on their, on their presentation. If that, if that person isn't actually doing the contextual analysis within their presentation, if they're not saying, okay, this person says this, and within the context of what they're saying based on this, they, you know, I argue that they mean this. If they're not doing that contextual analysis, if they're just using quotes as a hammer, I typically find that those people are the ones that are misusing quotations. So we just need to be aware when we're using quotations to try to handle them accurately and when we're engaging with people who keep using quotations and using quotes that, that we should have our, our skeptical antenna up. We should be aware that they may or may not be using the quotes, especially when, and I got to repeat this, and, and I'm giving the same advice to, to you non-Calvinists. If Calvinists do this, take this same advice, right? Hold us to the same standard. Uh, atheists, hold Christians to the same standard. If, if we're making our case and we're saying, oh, well, this is true because look at this Richard Dawkins quote or look at this Sam Harris quote or look at this Friedrich Nietzsche quote or something like that, hold us to the same standard. If we're making our arguments on the back of quotations, check them out. Now, the person might be handling the quotes accurately and good for them. But if the, if the, if the quote is the hammer... It's not, if it's not an, just an illustrative point, if it's not just an illustration, if it's the hammer that's trying to be used to make the point, be very, very careful. Remember, you got to just keep in mind that we have to learn to read critically and read objectively and read broadly. So try to be a freed thinker and be free. Thanks, drive safe, and God bless.